Welcome to Round Hill Radio. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, look for moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning, Leslie. Welcome back to Round Hill Radio. Thank you. We're so glad to have you back. It is great. Um, so I always laugh when I'm for our video audience, I'm using air quotes here. Influencers say you guys have all been asking for blankety blankety blank, right? Like you've all been asking me what shoes I'm wearing. You've all been asking me what my lipstick was. Um, but we had a request. I'm going to say a request, but it was from a beloved person. So it felt like a big request. I know who that is. I know. Yeah. We, we, we love you. Um, to do a follow-up Mother's Day special. From last year. From last year. I think this might become annual. Oh, and I'd just, love that. I mean, you know, I think you can talk about <laughs> being a woman in the world, being a woman of faith more than once a year, but we <laughs> highlight it on Mother's Day. And this has become kind of a thing for us. And I'm loving every minute of it. Oh, absolutely. And a lot has changed for both of us in the last a year has in terms of both. our motherhood. That's right. I so have... let's begin with you. <laughs> last year, you were sitting in that chair. I was sitting in that chair. How many months pregnant? Uh, I think almost nine, if not more than. Because okay. the thing they don't tell you is that pregnancy actually is like 10 months long. What? Yeah, it's not nine months. It's like How a... is that possible? It's, it's, it's a, well, Nobody's corrected that? There's, there's so many things oh people should have corrected about. <laughs> We could do a series on this. We, I could do an entire other podcast about this, I think. An entire other weekly podcast about this. But I'll keep it brief. But yes, I was quite pregnant. I think and this was the last one of the last things we recorded. Walk us through a little bit of what this last year has been then like for you. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been challenging. It's been, you know, stretching. <laughs> In more th- ways than one. In all the ways. It's been, um, it's been great. I, so, yeah. So when you saw me, I had sort of my, my plan and my hopes mm-hmm. for what giving birth would be like. And, and it was kind of all of those things plus a whole other handful of things and experiences I wasn't expecting. Um, it was a lot longer than I had hoped for. And so just to remind our audience what your plan was pre-birth. So you were working with someone who was kind of... Yeah. So I was working with a midwife and a midwife group um, because I had made the decision, let's see, probably about halfway through my pregnancy, we, uh, my husband and I made the decision that actually a home birth felt right. It was a very low risk pregnancy, despite my OB being like, you're high risk. Because I happen to have turned 35 during my pregnancy. Because <laughs> that automatically means... You're ancient. I'm ancient. <laughs> I became a mother at 40. Yeah, okay? for the record, we're all collectively <laughs> offended by that. I think even, even my OB was offended by that, but she still stuck with it. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, so the plan was to have a home birth, which happened, which was wonderful. Yay. It took longer. It was a, pretty much like a full two days of sort of the process, which was long. Meaning in labor? Yeah. Okay, talk about that for a minute because what, so was I will it excruciating? Say, I'm an adoptive mother, so I didn't go through that. Yeah, so tell me. I will, I will admit there was a part of my heart that was a, that was a little judgy about women because I was very much on my high horse about this. Mm-hmm. I will fully admit. That I was can a little attest like, to that. 
So to say, I can attest to that. No. Yeah, that'd be fair. Fair. Call a spade a spade. Hi, I'm a spade. Um, but I was a little, you know, I chose to make choices about not doing a medicated birth. M- less for me and more because of what is the choices I made. Yeah. So I will say I will never, ever judge any woman for pain, assistance with pain, because, wow. And I will say that thing they say of, oh, you forget how much. No. No. You still remember? never happen. (laughs) I will never, ever forget. I think you've said you're only going to have one now. I am only. I mean, (laughs) so I've always said I only wanted one. Well, not always, but in the last number of years. I felt, and I very feel, very much feel like our family is complete. Like that was always very much like what I wanted. My husband was on board with that. Like it was very much the thing. And I looked at him one point in labor. I looked at him. I was like, "Remind me to never do this again." <laughs> as lovingly said as possible. As lovingly said as possible. We all had a very good laugh, but he also knew I completely meant it. Yeah. <laughs> he was fine. I'm sure he said uh, yes. He honey. was like, "Yeah." Yeah, he was a champ. So the nice thing, you know, he was there for all of it. He was dropping my back every five minutes when it was like it's very painful. And so he was a champ. Um, and then, you know, the thing for me that made it all amazing and worth it, especially the the choice of having a home birth was after she was born, I stood up and I walked 10 feet around the corner to my own bed. Mm. And then I did not have to move for about three days. And it was glorious. It was my pillow, my bed. They did her newborn medical examination at the foot of the bed. Uh, you know, she wasn't whisked away anywhere. It was warm. We had our music on. The dog was there, you know. And it just immediately felt like this little, like, it was like five o'clock in the evenings. Everything was like kind of cocoony and warm. And that's very special. And you know what? The thing is, that happened all the time in all centuries time. past. Yes. <laughs> yes. They talk about like the medicalization of birth. Yeah. And how um, my 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 um, birth teacher talked about how uh, giving birth is not an emergency; it's it's nature, and mm. it's not necessarily. And I I was definitely of that mindset of like you go and you have your baby at a hospital. That is mm-hmm. what everyone does. That's safe. Um, and it, for me, it also helped to know that I was fifteen minutes from a large, yes, fully capable hospital so that if anything was to happen I would have been I mean even just going in our own car would have been totally fine um and again it was a low risk birth and you know made that decision with a lot of conversation and everything so does socioeconomic status have anything to do with the choices you made oh my goodness what a privilege yeah to make that choice and what an expensive choice right um giving birth in general is expensive Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, giving birth in a hospital, even with good health insurance is expensive, but I'm still fighting with my health insurance over trying to get reimbursed some for my medical expenses for this. Was it worth every penny? Of course. Should I have had to pay for it out of pocket? No. So why, you know, there there are studies about uh, communities of color that they're much higher risk of in pregnancy. So yeah, and maternity, maternal mortality has gone the wrong way ever since the 80s. Um, and for communities of color, it is really, really bad. Actually, Serena Williams, who just announced her pregnant, second pregnancy, her first one 
nearly killed her. Her first baby nearly killed her. That's right. And in that situation of just the the care for for mothers, especially women of color, is it's really very uneven. Well, and you're talking about Serena Williams, who has everything Everything. at her fingertips, probably right. Yeah, choices. But you're right. There's the tremendous. There is a tremendously high risk for communities. Well, I mean, if you think about it, every model you've ever seen of a pregnancy and a pregnant person and a new baby is white right well and the inherent racism in hearing women of color express pain right right yeah 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 you got that you're absolutely right you're absolutely right so it was an incredibly privileged choice to make and i'm clearly thrilled for you huh i'm thrilled for you that you both were able to and yeah and can i just say the amount of selfies that i've seen (laughs) over this year is another testament to, that this is the first year. <laughs> so, Adorable little one. I'm oh not going to name her unless you want to name we've her. Made, yeah, we've named her on the podcast. Mare. Okay, yeah, all right. Cool. Mare Bear. Mare Bear. Um, <laughs> adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. And her hair is a unique kind of flip. Oh, is, yeah. Is it still there? It's fallen. Okay. No, so the, the mohawk. It was, it was Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, it was full of Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, it's it's tipped over now, and okay. now I I I actually mourn that a little bit. Cause is she, she was, gonna get back at you later on in life for that? I, for the record, because you've asked me this before, <laughs> I did not style it this way. The mohawk was all natural. Okay, she literally had long hair in the middle and short hair on the sides, and it would stick straight up. Okay, because I'm still yeah. getting flack from my twenty almost twenty four year old now yeah. for dressing her in Baby Gap clothes. <laughs> Which, which I thought were adorable at the sure, time. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, my my father actually sent me pictures from my childhood yeah. recently, uh-huh. and holy mullet, Batman! Did you have a mullet? Uh, apparently, yeah, I had like a bowl bowl cut mullet. <laughs> so tell Peyton it could have been. Worse. Well, she had that you know straight across and down you know. Yep. Toe head, uh, completely yeah. like white blonde. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And adorable. Adorable. We all do our best. I know. So my year of motherhood has changed too. It's changed so much, Yes. Right? Yeah, my daughter, last time, I don't think I knew this at the time, but she applied to go into the Peace Corps. And so at, just as you're welcoming in your little baby, I'm getting ready to release my baby to Africa. Yeah. She was going to go in February. Mm-hmm. And that, this is an interesting thing. So they told her the day before... Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. that she would not be able to go to Eswatini because she needs, according to her doctor, she needs an annual exam with okay. a certain kind of doctor okay. for women, okay. gynecologist, Got it. that they can't do there. What does that say about the women of Eswatini? All the other women. Which is, for those of you who don't know where Eswatini is, it's the country on the eastern side of Africa, above South Africa, mm, okay. right by Mozambique. Okay. So we kind of were bummed out. And then I said, honey, you know what? When you travel, you're going to have to pivot a bunch. So right. she said, okay, let me just have a few minutes. She got it together, and she's yeah. like, I still want to go. I'm like, great. Okay. So she reapplied, and she got – now she's going this August, in a few months – to Namibia, which mm-hmm. is on the western coast of Africa, right above South Africa. So she will be going there. And as we get ready, you know, we've we've had this extra time together. Mm. Um, it's really hard to think about letting her go. But I need to. I want to. Yeah. And that's the cycle of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mothering and then freeing and them releasing. to be able to fly. 
Yeah. That all of that hits so different now. <laughs> right? They're only ours for a little time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, and and I mean it's such a testament to the woman she's become mm. through your guidance and you know and it's just I mean she's such a rock star. She is a rock she's star. A rock I, star. I sit back and I watch her mm-hmm. and I like Wow, you're an amazing human being. And I can't take complete credit. I mean, you know, I take yeah. some credit for that. No, yeah. I brought her along as a single mom yeah. uh, to like going to the Emmy Awards and going, you know, we did national book tours together and we did a lot of things. And I just pulled her along. And Adventures. and this congregation yeah. really poured into her. You know, I we can... don't have hundreds of kids here. So that means that the adults right. can really have one-on-one time with the kids and they take advantage of that. I can attest that because I have been chastised multiple times lovingly for not bringing her enough oh which i i genuinely is think that's is gonna the change this thing ever and just how much they love oh. her the thing i was most surprised by in in such a happy way was how much of a complete person she already is mm. like say she, more about that she is entirely herself you can yep. see her personality she has likes she has dislikes she has her moods she has her just she's just a total person already okay so let me just give some perspective here because not every parent and i'll include moms and dads would allow that to emerge it it was it's a choice you know because at the beginning i mean she was a teeny teeny tiny baby but it was like there was just two because and this was this was also part of the some of the courses i took was was really and it sounds obvious when you say it out loud, but watching and listening and going by their cues for what they want and need. And it took a long time to like get to know what she wanted and how she was communicating. You know, because, you know, you hear moms talk about, oh, different cries. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it took probably six months for me to actually, for us to like get to know each other yeah. and for her to like, She's reached this phase now where if you're laughing, she'll laugh with you. Because so far she was just, she would just sort of find something funny or you like tickle her and she'd laugh or whatever. And now if like you're laughing, she'll like join you. And that probably happens a lot. It's, we have a lot of laughter. <laughs> we have a lot. She's, so do we. But that's great. It's so fun. Yeah. She's just so fun. But just think about it. So, I mean, I think back to my own mother who, God bless her, at 13 she had, uh, no, when I was 13, she yeah. was divorcing my dad yeah. because it was an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And she had four daughters and mm-hmm. had to go. She was finishing college mm-hmm. at that time, made dean's list. She went back to school because she left went after her freshman year in college to marry my father at 18. Wow. But the ability to be able to manage four girls, very different ages, yeah, um, it was almost impossible. And to keep her own mental health in check. So... The fact that you can do that is such a gift to your daughter. Well, I just, and I just, you know, and there's a lot of reflection back on my own childhood and other choices, you know, you see other mothers making and there's so much judgment around mothering and parenting. And I just try to just let the noise be noise. I know. Because I don't think I'm going to be a better mom for listening to people tell me about who my daughter is right so let's let's go into judgment free zone (laughs) and and you know what we were talking before this this is mental health month it is 
And we wanted to talk just a little bit on on this podcast yeah. about mental health for moms and dads. Moms and dads, because I think it's important to also say at the top of this conversation that um, postpartum depression is it's a real thing. Is a a real thing, and b not limited to mothers. True. That say more dads. I think it's like the statistic is one in four. We I'm assuming it's probably more than that. Is it fathers experience postpartum depression? Because is it hormonal? It's it, it's mostly situational. Okay. Um, from what I understand, I am not an expert on this, but I definitely encourage any new moms and dads, or you know, having a second or a third. It's you know, there's a lot of life changes, a lot of upheaval. And if you feel like you need help, get the help you need. Get help. As a person who is married to a therapist and who has been in therapy for many, many years on all different, you know, for all different kinds of things, talking to someone, I mean, there's a wonderful book called The Body Keeps the Score. And if you have trauma, like if you had childhood trauma, that's going to resurface. It's going to stay in your body until you work it out. So yes, let's say that at the beginning of this section. Yeah. And I think not to, well... To actually go back to a little bit of what we were talking about before with what birth is like for a lot of women, there's a lot of trauma around birth itself um, with the mortality rate being what it is, Mm -hmm. with the medicalization of it being what it is, whatever your view on that is, it can be very difficult, that entire process. Um, And then trying to parent after going through a trauma can be, feel almost impossible. Well, and then... Let's just make a statement here, too, about those who have stillbirths or those who lose early in pregnancy, that that is a pain that is not fully recognized enough in our society. And in fact, now, in more recent years, um, there have been liturgies written in mainline denominations of rituals to acknowledge that pain and to help people process the grief of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more that we talk about these things as a society... Um, I didn't know, but something like half of all pregnancies end in miscarriage. What? Yeah. There's nobody talks about it. Nobody. Nobody talks about it. And there's uh, probably then that helps create shame in some people, right? Yeah. Of like, what did you do? And you know what? You did nothing. Right. And it's really common and more, I, 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 most women I know have gone through that. Right. And so I think it's the more we talk about it, the more we're open about it, the, the more we remove shame. And the more we offer help, assistance, support, care, community, the less lonely people So that's feel. a great segue because the Surgeon General came out today mm-hmm. with a statement that was stunning to me that one in two adults reported experience loneliness. And that's people of all different stages in life, not mm-hmm. just those who are aging, but young people too. Mm-hmm. Even before COVID-19, that was the case. Right. And that um, that he actually has named it, or the administration has, an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And let's just say, young parents, middle-aged parents, and older parents all experience that even as things are changing in their own lives. So as if you have a newborn or an adopted, I'm an adoptive mother, all of a sudden, I had to let go of my profession for a bit. I went on uh, adoptive leave okay. for three months, and my total attention was given to this little one-year-old at that point. Yeah, and I was climbing the walls. Yeah, I was climbing the walls because yes. I did not have the adult. I mean, I was a pastor of a church, just a, a smaller church, 
And I didn't have the intellectual stimulation that I had. And right. all of a sudden, I was faced with this little thing that was with me 24 mm seven. -hmm. And I really, I thought, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel that very deeply. I was, I was so, you know, Connecticut actually changed their family leave laws right before I got pregnant. Um, and so I was able to take 12 weeks maternity leave. Um, and it was both, it was wonderful, but it was also really good for my mental health to know I was coming back here. Yeah. I was not coming back to, I did not go back to teaching. Um, I remember how happy you were. <laughs> so great. Can I say, and this is, this is no, this is nothing to say to any of my wonderful children I taught or any of the wonderful families I worked with, but teaching is not something I naturally do well. It takes a lot of effort to do it. And I, of course, want to do it well whenever I do it. So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's something I find quite draining. Mm -hmm. I've been honest about it. And I was reflecting back on the last year of being a mom. And I was thinking, you know, for the most part, I felt very much like myself. I felt good. I feel fulfilled. I feel, I feel, I feel pretty like my, my, my base level mental health has been actually very good. And I was thinking to myself, is it because I'm really enjoying motherhood or am I just enjoying not teaching anymore? <laughs> I think the question Shout out to is, all the teachers out there. Shout Thank out you for what you to do. All the, cause holy moly <laughs> guys. That's like full-time motherhood it's, or fatherhood. And without any of the good stuff. Well, Frankly. or they get to send them back at the end of the day. <laughs> Let's look true. at it that way. But I mean, hats off to all the teachers. Amazing. Amazing. I couldn't do that. I, turns out me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but to bring it back. I love you. I love you. <laughs> and, and like, but, and being in, 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 you know, it took a little, there was some re-entry adjustment mm -hmm. coming mm -hmm. back, but it's so great to be here and then also, I mean, since we're just naming all the things, yep. let's discuss the child care issue in America. Oh, my goodness. You know. Right. We have the privilege of having three months off yes. and then and not having to go back to work the next week because of right. needing of the pay. And then yep. other countries where it's six months or a year. <laughs> right. Right. Although I don't know. I don't think I, don't think I would have made right. it a year. <laughs> but I will tell you, I would not have been a good stay at home mom. Oh, Hats no. off to all the stay at home moms and dads. Oh, no. Who do that. Oh, my goodness. No, I, I would, can't do the, that. I would not have had the patience. How They're magic humans. Magic. Magic. Like, I can't do How I'm not the good enough. Homeschooling parents. That. Wow. 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 <laughs> like, there are people who are just better humans than me. And I have no problem admitting Different that. Different skill sets. Different skill sets. Right. And I've, it into me coming to work, coming here, mm -hmm. getting to do this with mm -hmm. you, getting to work with our choir mm -hmm. and play the organ and all the wonderful mm -hmm. things. I, it, it makes me feel like a full human. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what I needed. You know, of course my husband and I had plenty of conversations about it over the years. And I was like, no, I need, I, I need to work. You know, I, you I know? remember dropping Peyton off at daycare cause she went in right at, uh, like 16 months mm -hmm. cause I was working as a single mom mm -hmm. and, um, I remember thinking, ah, I can go to work and focus on one thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Instead but, of like 15,000 things that need to happen and things happening. I mean, it was a different kind of right. stimulus, right? They talk, they've been talking on sort of the parenting Instagram, which is a mixed bag. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. Of, of accounts. But they talk about the mental load hmm. of parenting and sometimes how that's uneven between partners 
Um, because obviously there's the physical load, there's the household tasks mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. hopefully are divided up in a way that feels fair. Um, and then there's also the mental load. And I think, I think it's also important to, to acknowledge that that is an important part of parenting that isn't necessarily, you know, who does the dishes, who's changing the diapers, who's getting up and feeding, but also who's thinking about food, who's thinking about timing, who's thinking, For the about, whole family. Who's thinking right. about, right. And, and like all those things. So just a big mother's day shout out to those carrying the, mon- the mental Absolutely. load. Absolutely. And that could be a mom or a dad. Absolutely. If you're fortunate to have that, there are a lot of single parents out there too. Absolutely. How about social connection? Again, this was part of that, yeah. that comment there with the epidemic of loneliness and isolation. Social connection is as essential to humanity as food, water, and shelter. And I would say connection not just with your kids but with other people your age oh sure right well and i mean i think especially if you're a parent of a little one is is your connection with your child really social well there okay thank you for yeah putting that i mean with, it's it's a connection it's beautiful yeah. it's a relationship right but i'm not like having a conversation with mayor bear about the things you and i talk right. about and connect and about. nor should your needs be met by that child exactly right yeah she's not you know i i call her my tiny best friend but that's not <laughs> It's actually not her responsibility to be my best friend. Right. Because, you know. But you my, can understand how children would fall into that yes. place because of a parent's need. A parent's need. And also, you know, they're the one you spend most of the time with. And So where know, do you get your that. social connection as a young mom? Well, um, I mean, I have I have a very, very beloved best friend, Julia, who is far away. But we have, um, I don't know if you guys heard of the, the app Marco Polo. No, is what my is that? Very favorite app. Tell us for busy for busy busy ladies or busy gentlemen. Um, it is basically a video messaging app where you record messages to each other. It's like it's like we call it sort of delayed FaceTime. So all we we often um, do it in the car. We'll often mm-hmm. Marco Polo each other in the car because we're we're all busy going from place to place to place. So you put your phone obviously where you're not distracted by it and mm-hmm. it just sort of records you talking as if you're talking to your friend we call it car chats and we have a jingle but that's just because we're musicians and that's what we do um but you record video messages and then they can watch it whenever they're free and then they video message back and it's just a little more personal than a text because mm-hmm. you get inflection you get to hear their beautiful voice and see their beautiful face and um, it's been such a great gift to us we've been doing it for gosh, probably three years. I think I found it in COVID and we would video message each other back and forth because we're not, we're never free at the same time. Right. But then we get to feel like you get all of, you get as close to a real conversation as And do you feel the connection? Yeah. You do. Okay. Because you know, there's studies too out that's talking about how social media really isn't a replacement for a, an in-person Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, but it's like second best because she lives in Alabama. There you go. (laughs) And better than a phone call even, right? Well, well, I don't know. Because then you have the give and take. The give and take. But you can see the person. Yeah. But I think for like, I mean, we do, we talk to each other on there almost every day. And so it's because it fits into your schedule and you can do it when, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll get busy and she'll leave me like five different ones and then the reverse will happen. And we just have this policy. We just, we don't. We don't apologize and we don't, it's just, you just do it when you can and you say hi when you can. And it's just, um, that's been a real lifeline for me. I love that. So thinking about what connections Mm -hmm. we can make so that our mental health stays intact. Because if, for those of us who are parents, it doesn't help our children to not 
be in a good place mental health wise. Yeah. And also thinking about like, you know, I feel like maybe the default is like, oh, well, we should go out and go do this or go out and, you know, and sometimes that isn't possible with schedules of like, how can we, you know, it's hard to be not like minimize it, be like, oh, we'll call a friend. It's not, it's not as easy as that, you know, what real connection is. It makes me very grateful for this community where we, I feel like a lot of our interactions are, you know, we have genuine interactions here. We have authentic. So that's a a key, isn't it? It's the level of connection. Right. So someone once gave a loose um, definition of spirituality is connection with God, self, and others. That's yeah. kind of what my Thursday connection is about. Yeah, I love but it. But if we're if you're really able to be honest mm-hmm. and say how things are and not just put on the front, mm-hmm. then you have a much better chance of staying on the beam versus right. falling off and really getting into a place where you can get into trouble. I mean, yeah. you know, I think one way, unfortunately, that um, that I have seen young moms and older moms cope or parents um, is like getting together and, and drinking too much, sure. you know, even for gatherings around kids. Sure. That's not, that's not a helpful thing because mm-hmm. it really just shows how stressed people are. So yeah. what are some healthy ways? One way is to do that app, right? Yeah. Do that app or, you know, we have various gatherings here yep. that we offer, you know, I mean, I think social media, like you said, is, can be a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, I would also suggest, and I don't think this is necessarily connection, but I also think it's important to say, to really think about who you're following on social media. Say more. Um, and the reaction you're finding in yourself when you, when you can, because you're consuming, right? Mm-hmm. When you're consuming content, um, probably, I think during COVID, I really started being really harsh with who I unfollowed or who I like muted or whatever. Because um, I would watch something and feel like this kind of pit in my stomach of like, oh, Am I not enough? Am I this enough? Am I, I'm not this enough. I'm not this enough. And I thought to myself, I'm literally doing this to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm literally choosing to go onto this app and feel crummy. Mm-hmm. So let's not do that anymore. Right. And so now I've curated my Instagram to becoming a place of, of voices that I find uplifting or inspiring or make me think. Not necessarily that I agree with all the time, but don't, I don't, it's a pretty, like you said, it's a judgment free zone. Right. Right. Where it doesn't feel like I'm not blank enough right um and well and so- that's true too when you when you're on sites and i know i've been on sites where um somebody's really like blasting out negativity and mm-hmm. stuff and oftentimes with the level i mean I've, I've heard it talked about as when someone's louder it's because they're not feeling heard yeah they raise their voice or they raise the the temperament of the their words yes. and so you know maybe those people are feeling very isolated and want just to be Sure. acknowledged with some compassion, but it's hard. And you know what? I, I will say as a former news reporter on TV that I have gotten really hooked on just reading headlines constantly. That's not good for my mental health in the long yeah. term. So I need to kind of temper that back some because yeah. there's so much that can draw an, a person's attention away from what's happening right here yeah. to the distress out there. Right. Right. It doesn't mean turning off your mind to what's important in the world, because mm-hmm. I really do believe I want to stay abreast of what's sure, happening. Sure. But to rely too much on that can really bring someone down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And there's when it's 24 seven. Yeah. And, and even headlines. Even headlines. <laughs> yeah. And you can feel pretty helpless because yeah. you can't, you know, what, what can you do? Right? So, so if we were to throw out a couple of best tips for young mom and for an older mom what would you say i would say for a young mom to 
I would say that you are the best mom for your baby. And I will steal a quote from my, um, my teacher. Her name is Cynthia. She says, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Oh, wow. Say I that again. Hear everyone and listen to yourself. That has been my North Star. Because a lot of people have really great advice mm. that worked really well for them and they really want to help. And a lot of it is not helpful. And not through any fault of their own, but just because it's a di- you have a different human in your house than they did. And so take it, hear it, and then you can happily discard it if it doesn't work for you or your family. I love that. It's my most favorite thing I've heard in probably the last like three years. <laughs> hear everyone and listen to yourself. I told our friend Lizzie that multiple times already. <laughs> I would say don't ever forget to say I'm wrong or I'm sorry. Mm, yeah. Right. Particularly as I grow up, it was so my parents never could admit they were wrong. Mm. It was like it was too much of a, it was too, fra- they were too fragile. Yeah. So I learned to be able to say, you know what? <sighs> even, even after like I yelled or something yeah. and I'd go into the other room yeah. and I'd go back in and went, I'm sorry. That was really not right. And let's make this, that's let's, so, let's step over this. That's so powerful. <sighs> and now, you know, it number one, it doesn't happen nearly as much. I can still say, "Okay, do this. Come on." You know, yeah. you said you were going to start the dishwasher. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we can step over that and, and even laugh when I make a mistake. Good. You know? Yeah. So just to show that I'm human, everybody's a human. That's a thing, right? It's really powerful when you start re- actually realizing that your parent is a human. <laughs> You know, I like there's some point, there's some point that flicker, that switchover happens and it's yeah. like the more. And as adults that are mothers right. and fathers are human. Right. Yeah. I think about, I'm like, how the heck did she do this? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't. I mean, hats off. Hats yeah. off. So if you had a message for your mother yes. on this Mother's Day on and I'll have a message for mine, but Mother's what would yours be? Day. Oh, let's see. I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> um, if I had a pie, I'm going to that you did a good job. You did good, kid. And I'm grateful. And I might make different choices, but that doesn't mean that your choices weren't good, too. I love that. Yeah. And I will say, my mom died a year and a half ago. And I will say, I still feel your presence. Hmm. And thank you for everything. All of the love. Hmm. Thank you Hmm. that you did well. Moms are great. Moms are great. So are dads. Moms are great. Dads are great. Yeah. The act of mothering is not gender specific. And we are... Um... Oh, I like that too. Oh. <laughs> Just came up with that. Yeah. That's a quotable quote. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, we are so grateful for you for joining us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. You can always visit us at roundhillradio.org. And thank you so much for listening. Roundhill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundhill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillradio.org. Mm-hmm.